And we're live at the Reup NYC podcast. What's yo. going on, ladies and gentlemen? Yo, yo. So my next guest on this great podcast we have, he is a communications major from Mount St. Vincent College in New York City. And he also does his own social media marketing business, his digital marketing business. Ladies and gentlemen, get it up for Mike The Loop. Yo, yo, yo. What's, What's going, going on, on everyone? What's going on? Yeah, so that's your Instagram handle, but like, that's your actual last name, right? Yeah, that's everyone always asks me, like, oh, Mike the Loop, what does that mean? Like, what does that stand for? I'm like, I, I, I couldn't be creative when I first came out with my Instagram at name. Uh, so I just said Mike the Loop. And it, it honestly it became catchy, and people started, people started messing with it. So I was like, all right, I might as well just leave it. That's so crazy. Yeah. It's dope, though. It's different, different. Yeah. So growing up, people used to call you Loop? Or yeah. just or like Mike or whatever like. So in high school, people used to call me Mike. Um, once I went to college, the whole first name basis disappeared because there's so many Mikes in college. Obviously, being in a smaller school, it's I guess everyone knows everyone. And there's a lot of Mikes, so to differentiate me, a lot of people they just started calling me Loop. So everyone's like, "Yo, Loop, Loop, Loop," because once you say Loop, it's right away you already know who you're talking to. I got you. And the thing with me is. People will call me Loop, L-O-O-P, and then some people will call me Lou, L-O-U. So if I knew, if I heard you call me Lou, then that's how I know, like, I don't really know you. Like, we're not. Yeah, because you don't know what yeah, the deal is. Because the fact that you don't even know my name. You're Mike, Lou. Mike Lou. <laughs> yeah, like a lot of people, yo, what's good, Loop? And I'm like, no, it's not Lou. It's like Loop. It's like, oh, Loop. I'm like, yeah. They're like, oh, so a lot, a lot of miscommunication with that. They weren't in the loop for that one. No, nah, not in the loop for sure. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> All right. So let's go into um, exactly what it is you do, because you do some really cool stuff. So um, would you want to explain to people exactly in detail what you do? All right. So to get it started, pretty much. So I have a marketing firm called Kodu, Kodu Marketing. And what we do is we specialize in digital marketing. So we do everything from social media marketing, content creation, commercial videos, uh, graphic design, web design, all sorts of stuff. So anything that you see on your phone, on TV, or you even see it on the computer, we do it. Uh, the main thing right now is marketing itself is doing a whole major flip to social media. And a lot of marketing itself is being pushed through social media platforms nowadays. It's not worth spending the 20000 30000 on TV commercials. And a lot of people are starting to invest their money on paying people to do ads and pretty much market things on social media. So that's one thing we specialize, and it's it's going pretty well. Everything's moving at a good rate, the way that we expected it to. And I can't be more thankful for it, to be honest. Nice. So do you think that push has a lot to do with the fact that, you know, only big-time companies can really buy airtime? Uh, that push is happening because the demographics are changing. So when we were younger, everyone used to watch TV. Family night was TV night. Like, everyone, movie night, it's like, all right, we're watching TV. But now there's so many different outlets. You got podcasts for entertainment. You have t uh, radio for entertainment. You have social media for entertainment. All these streaming services for entertainment. So numbers on TV platforms in general are going down, like big, big time. That's why these cable companies, they're trying to purchase these streaming sites. Uh, so streaming sites are killing it right now and taking over all, pretty much the competition is all based on streaming nowadays. Cable isn't a big competitor. That's why nowadays the only thing that you see on cable itself are diaper commercials for moms that are just walking around the house when they're watching the kid, if they're watching a kid. True. And now other than that, you just see a lot of 
elderly commercials like I've fallen and I can't get up. You see all those things. Uh, yeah, because they're always at home exactly, watching TV. Exactly. Yeah. So the whole demographics has changed. And people are realizing it. Businesses are starting to realize it. And they need to start marketing to the people that are doing the purchasing, which is people our age nowadays. Right. So how does your version of marketing differ from the more traditional sides of marketing that everyone's kind of taught maybe in school or just um, like an old school type of approach? So the thing that definitely differentiates us is we like to keep it live and we like to keep it organic. A lot of companies out there, they'll Photoshop a bunch of words onto a picture that was taken in a professional studio. And, of course, we do everything professional. We do everything top-notch, top quality. But we like to keep the life to it, and we like to keep the organicness to it. So, for example, for shooting photos for restaurants, we like to keep it as organic as possible. So when people see the picture, they get a connection to it. Rather than looking at it and saying, wow, like that's a sick picture. I can never take a picture like that. Like No, we like to create something that... People look at and of course they can't recreate that because the quality itself and the actual camera and equipment that we're using is completely out of reach for the regular consumer. But what we like to do is make it seem as if that's what they're really going to see in real life. Because you could go on Abercrombie right now and see all these ads on a beach or whatever, whatever company you want to look at. But the problem is going to be is that when you go to the store, that's not what you see. In the store, you see clothing racks. You see all this other stuff on the walls and all these other things. Meanwhile, it doesn't tie in with the brand. So it creates kind of like a disconnect between mm -hmm. consumer and, you know, and all the enterprise, per yeah, se. for sure, for sure. Because it's just something that a lot of people don't even pay attention to. A lot of pages in general, they post all this luxury stuff. Meanwhile, when you try and purchase the brand, it has nothing to do with it. It's not tying with the brand. It's not showing the brand. So... That's one thing that we really try and do that a lot of marketing companies aren't doing is be extremely consistent in terms of posting daily, engaging daily, and constantly being on the push every single day. And at the same time, creating content and constantly shooting in bulk and constantly getting more and more content out there for the consumers to look at. So it pretty much sounds like that you guys are kind of um, cutting out the middleman, per yeah. se. Yeah, that's, our, that's the main thing that we do is right now businesses, they want a photo shoot. They have to reach out to a cameraman. Hey, I want this, this, this. They want a video. Hey, here's a videographer. Like, let's use him. Da, da, da. They need a marketing person. They have to reach out to a marketing person. So that's three different people. Or if they have a team in-house, that's going to be like four or five people. So what we do is we cut the middleman out and we create the content for you, videos, photos, any type of content that you want, even web design, we create that for you. So we don't have to go to another photographer or cameraman it always sticks in the same thing and you don't have to worry about paying xyz all you got to do is just pay the one person and that's it the job is done right um do you also believe that maybe that's kind of like the way for like um smaller businesses and maybe like you know like more independent contractors to kind of have like a leg up more on the more big time like industrial enterprises like amazon or like a, like a apple or something like that for sure, because nowadays with social media, you can reach so many people. Uh, you could talk to someone right now from China. You could talk to somebody from overseas, whatever it is. And if you have that ability, why not promote your business? Why not show your business to the world and constantly keep on expanding? Because if you stick to the same Facebook ads that are pushing in the same location and all this basic newspaper things, uh, newspaper articles, yeah, you're going to reach people, but you're not going to reach people in other tens and thousands exactly. of people exactly yeah. and social media helps you with that instagram facebook all these other platforms if you really break it down and niche it and really expand your focus you can reach a lot of people a lot of people right 
I mean, it kind of seems like a foolproof and the most obvious type of mm-hmm. plan to go to when it comes to marketing. But do you, um, is does everyone kind of get that right now? Or are there still some maybe like old mom and pop um, um, shops that say, you know what? No, we've been doing it for a while. We're just going to stick to our ways. So there's a lot of mom and pop shops that say that we're going to stick to our ways. And the problem with that also is they have their nephew that has Instagram or has whatever platform they use. And they say, oh, my nephew is taking care of it. And they say, oh, my have a grandson. He's taking care of it. Meanwhile, yeah, they're posting whether it's super low quality pictures once in a blue and they're not implementing the marketing strategies to the actual platform itself. So when in terms of are you posting stuff? Okay, maybe you are, but they're not using it to its full potential. That's like having a gym, but only using the, let's say, like the curl machine. Like it makes no sense. Like you have all these tools. Why don't you utilize it? And it's something that bothers me, especially when I try and reach out to new clientele. And I tell them exactly the straight up truth. It's like, listen, you guys aren't posting consistently. The content that you're posting is coming from a regular iPhone, which, of course, for the average Joe, it's that's good. That's good content to put on their personal page. But in terms of a business, you want to stand out and you want to be super high quality. Right. Now, you can't you can't be average. You want to be a business. You can't. Like That's like if Google was posting only, let's say, iPhone quality videos. People would be like, what is this? Like, yeah, people would be exactly confused. right. So as someone who is 24 years old, do you feel that other individuals sometimes undermine you in other cases? Maybe maybe, maybe these, un, these mom and pop stores, these like the older generation doesn't really understand exactly why social media is for business and not just for fun? Definitely with the age bracket, because as soon as I walk in, people think that I work for someone. People say, oh, like, who like who do we, who can we talk to in terms to change the price? I'm like, I'm, I'm the person to speak to. I'm the CEO. I'm, I own the business. And right away, and it, it kind of scares people, but it shouldn't because nowadays there's so many entrepreneurs, there's so many people creating businesses and that whole aspect of you have to be 30 and up to own your own business, blah, 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 businessman, like it's out the window nowadays. So is it an insult? Yes. But at the same time, sometimes I look at it in a positive way because instead of looking at it negative and being, oh, uh, I should take this personal and the way that they're acting. No, because... People are shocked. People aren't doing what I'm doing at my age, 24 years old, owning your own business, having an office for your business, and having pretty much clientele lined up already for monthly uh, for monthly packages. People don't have that. So as soon as I bring that up, right away it throws a red flag. They're like, wait, like how, how are you doing this at such a young age? We're 60, 50 years old, and our business has XYZ done for social media platforms. How are you 24 and you're doing all this? That's one thing that people can't get a grasp of. Right. Do you think people are also shocked that social media isn't just, you know, for 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 fun, but for business? Uh, Yeah, to a certain extent, like some people do look at it as, oh, it's just for fun. We don't want that demographic. But we do have a lot of businesses now that are starting to realize that a lot of companies are starting to realize that social media is key. Um, A lot of companies are starting to realize that influencer marketing is big nowadays and they're starting to implement it into their marketing scheme. So that's a good thing. It's obviously technology is going to continue to evolve. People are going to continue to evolve mentally and physically. So if you're not keeping up with your business, your business is going to fall. Right. So within these next 10 years, per se, now that we're in 2020, do you think that a lot of businesses are going to fail because of lack of social media? Yeah, because what I think is going to happen is there's going to be the mom and pop shops that are popping. And people know them just because of the name. Those are going to stick. But the shops that open up and they're not trying to implement on social media, they're not trying to use 
any digital marketing at all, those companies are going to go down the drain. The reason why is if you're a restaurant, you have Uber Eats, all these other third parties that help cater your food to other people and bring your food to other people. If you're not using those, people aren't going to order from you. People aren't going to know where you are. People aren't going to know that you're a business that's actually in the area. Because there's some people that they don't go to restaurants. They only order out or they right. only do takeout or... They don't, have time, they don't have time yeah. to go out. They don't want to deal with like waiting times and all that. Exactly. And that's something that a lot of businesses need to realize that social media isn't a threat. Social media isn't to play games. Social media is to help you. Social media is a way that you can use it to multiply your profits, multiply the people coming into your door. And it's pretty much an add on to your business rather than take away. And that's what a lot of the older generation, that's what they look at it. They look at it as if it's a game and they're like, oh, like, no, we don't want that type of market. It's like, all right, like, if you don't want it, all I'm saying is that eventually you're going to come knocking on the door and you're going to be like, hey, like, we changed our mind. But you know, at some point, it's going to, you know, shit's going to hit the fan and mm-hmm. they're going to realize that, all right, wow, like, we have, even if we don't like it, we have no choice. Yeah. Just like other business expenses, per se, and like other business things, you know, you make sure you have enough, I guess, product or food or that you, you keep up with regulations. Mm-hmm. The same way, I guess, you kind of like look into those responsibilities, you got to put a big responsibility into how you market yourself. You have to. And, and yeah, it's not, I think people think that, oh, if I put it like on, on, if I'm on Zagat or if I'm on like one of these, like, you know, like big critique on like websites and stuff like that, yeah, that helps. But like also, if you get a bad review or if you don't get a review that's, that's like, up to your liking mm-hmm. and all that. And that's yeah. the only thing, only piece of like technology on the internet that you have, you're pretty much screwed. You, you, you should be able to also, you know, kind of like show your own side of what's really going on to attract customers. And people don't realize that people think, Oh, like you said, people say, Oh, I have a Zagat rating. I'm fine. Like our restaurant is, we've been featured in the New York times in 2001. Like, Okay, like that's the past. Yeah. You want to be featured on these foodie pages, on these blogger pages. Yep. You want celebrities to come see you and post it on their own page. If you get that, then the traction that you're going to get is insane. It's going to be bigger than what you get from newspapers. Do you think that these food pages are going to end up being bigger than than, than these big critiques? Like yes. these big critique pages? Yes. Um, I personally think that these food pages and all these other critique pages on social media are going to be the next generation of these critique companies. Because realistically if a food page reaches out to me and says hey i want to turn this into a business we'll get them lined up with an llc we'll get them lined up with a website and all their ratings and all what they say critiquing wise of the food and restaurants wherever they go we'll post that onto their website and then boom right there becomes exactly what that other platform is um but i'm pretty sure those companies are using social media as well if they're not then that's going to be a big loss but these big food time these big food pages that are growing as time keeps on going, they're going to continue to grow as well. And I feel like that's where they're going to step in and they're going to expand their platform and their reach as well. Yeah, the one thing with, criti- with like actual old school critiques is, or like critics is that they kind of seem like they're kind of these older, salty kind of individuals that kind of look mm-hmm. out to look for like the wrong in any business or any particular type of craft yeah with these food pages or with any type of like you know person who goes to businesses or like rates stuff on instagram i don't think it's so much that they want to you know like down a business or like you know critique it in a sense they just want to go to like you know like the most popping ones and kind of showcase the best thing about it Mm. because if it's like a bad one or if it's one that they're not really sure about i'm not sure that they're just going to go to it just to go to it so i'm not sure how like that that game plan i think it's pretty much in like you know kind of like um 
you know, kind of like transformed the whole the whole way that you know, um, like people really see, like you know, how, you know, like you know, five star ratings and all that. I think that's all going to change within the next couple next couple of years. Yeah, these food pages—they're not posting stuff that is out there just because it tastes good. These food pages are posting cool food, fun locations, fun places to go with your friends and family. So they're showing you more of the ambience and everything that goes on. They're not sticking to. Oh, the recipe has this, 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 and it's an amazing place. It's run by John. Da, 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 da. Like, no, they're there to show you a place that's going to be eye-catching, a place that you're going to have fun, and a place that you're going to feel proud of to post on your page as well. Yeah, it's, just, it's more for a consumer mm-hmm. instead of just being kind of like a trophy yeah. for uh, for the restaurant owners mm-hmm. or for restaurant tours or whatever the case may be. 100%. And it's defi- it definitely it looks more fun, too, honestly, because it doesn't have to be, you know, like this five-star you know, for Lemming Young type of restaurants. It could be like, you know, like a nice dive bar that has mm-hmm. like stacked tacos or like yeah. these nice, you know, um, even food trucks even. Mm. You know, like how many food trucks are really getting like the same type of publicity from, you know, like these newspapers um, or the, like these critiques or, you know, stuff like that. I, I really see, you know, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, Snapchat really going towards like, you know, like like the smaller companies, like the mm-hmm. smaller um the more lower class type of businesses that really kind of want to make a big splash in the food industry. For sure, for sure. And that's something that a lot of people need to realize is that as marketing is doing a complete flip, so are the businesses that are going to be marketing itself. And these big-time restaurants don't realize that. So, yeah, you might have been the poppin' restaurant in 2000, but it's 2020 now. It's a whole decade after. And what people need to start realizing is that just because you're a mom and pop shop and people know you from the past doesn't mean that you're going to be present in the future. People aren't going to remember your name. Why? Because, yeah, if someone's been going there since they were a little kid, of course they're going to remember you and they'll go there once in a while. But these big, big companies and all these marketing firms that are helping push these restaurants, those restaurants, are they're going to get more attraction, more eyes, and just more appeal in general on social media platforms and to get more people in through their door. Right. Now, for example, if somebody, let's say someone wants to get, you know, contact you and really start doing business with you, what exactly is the whole layout on how to start doing business with um, with Kodu? So before anything, obviously, we sit down, we talk to them, and we figure out exactly what they want to do. So if it's just content creation, if they just need a website made, business cards, LLC, uh, LLC created, or whatever they need, whether it's a business plan, marketing plan, anything. Uh, once we sit down and find out exactly what they want, then that's when we figure out a price budget for them. We find a budget that they're comfortable with. We give them three different options to choose from. Obviously, one being below budget, one being at the budget that they want, and one a little bit over. Just so that they can compare and just so that they can see a little, I guess, comparison on the side. And the one thing that is super, super important is everything is custom tailored to each person in business. So when they come to us and when they talk to us, the main thing what we want to make it feel is that they're not being charged just like everyone else. Like, just because you walk in through the door doesn't mean I'm going to charge you the same as the restaurant down the block. Or I'm not going to charge you the same as the car dealership down the block. Everyone is different. Everyone's budget is different. Everyone's goal is different. So that's when we need to sit down, figure out exactly what they want, the money that they want to spend on it, and then we move on forward from there. Right. So it kind of sounds like everything's kind of like a tailor-made yeah type of package for everybody because not every single business is gonna is it runs the same as Mm -hmm. you know as everybody yeah it's like even today today i spoke with a body shop and they don't want any direct message filtering they don't want any crazy crazy content all they want is just basic photos on a daily basis and that's it that's all they want so i was like all right like that's super super simple 
So we sat down with them, we got a budget with them, and now everything's on board. So we're going to start moving forward with them as well. All right, perfect. It's, uh, it's all about being customizable, and it's all about being able to give people what they want. Exactly. If you, if you try and force something upon people, they're not going to want it. You tell someone, like, this is all we offer, this is all you can choose from, they're not going to like that. But when you tell them that things are flexible and you can move things around for them, then right away they're hooked. They're onto yeah. it. I feel like human beings in general, we like having choices. Mm-hmm. Especially choices that, you know, could you kind of like limit how much we how much we spend in the long run without giving away so much quality. Mm-hmm. And I also feel like that's, you know, kind of like what old school type of marketing companies kind of miss out on. It's kind of mm-hmm. like, I listen, we have either package A and B. If you don't fit in that, we're not for you. Or you have to take this, all this extra stuff. And now you have to mo- modify your business and, you know, start paying for more stuff that you don't really need. And mm-hmm. that just becomes a more of a big hassle and more of a turnoff. Exactly. For kind of like um for more of like this um digital marketing type of thing. Big Do you time. agree with that? Big time. And that's something that a lot of people need to realize. They have to realize that everything out there isn't something that should be forced upon people. You go to a restaurant, there's options. You could change things around. Yeah, it'll say eighteen dollars for the dish of pasta, but guess what? You could tell them I want chicken on it. I don't want sauce. I don't want right. this, this, this. It's completely customizable. Even look at the top chains in the country, any food chain, any Starbucks, whatever it is. They give you a generic price up top, and then they give you something to play around with. Whether you want almond milk, coconut milk, you want extra sugar, large, small, whatever it is, it's customizable to the person. Once you make it personal and once you make it relatable to people, that's when you really hook them on. Right. So how did you originally start with Kodu? Man, I was in college. It was my sophomore year, and I originally went to college to play ball. First year, I... Injured, fractured my spine. Second year, came back, tore my Achilles. So as I'm laying down, I'm like, yo, I need to start making some money. Like, I got to start focusing on making some some bread. And I sat down. I started writing down a bunch of ideas. And at the time, I had like 12,000 followers on Instagram. And, yeah, that's when Instagram was big. And that's when, like, influencers started coming out little by little. Uh, But the people around me weren't doing that. And that's something that I realized. So I just kept on pushing at it. And I was like, yo, if I'm doing this for myself, I could teach other people. So I started helping other people, doing photo shoots for people. And from then on, I started seeing results. So I'm like, wait, if they're getting results off what I'm teaching them, I could charge them for teaching them this. So then I started reaching out to businesses and saying, listen, we'll teach you how to do X, Y, Z, and we'll do this for you as well. And we'll make it a package for you. So that started hitting. And around my junior year is when I really started pushing the envelope that's when i started doing a lot a lot of shoots started doing a lot of marketing packages for companies and clients and as time started progressing i was working in the summer times for my family business i was working six to six monday through saturday just grinding miserable every day like working constant hours all day long and i started realizing like man like i miss doing what i did in college i miss making all this money and i was having fun i was enjoying it taking pictures like having a good time And at the same time, it's one side is my family and one side is my happiness. Now, of course, family will always be there to support you. But I felt like it was time for me to make that leap and try and create a history for myself rather than be there and say, yeah, like I worked for my family business. I helped maintain that. I kind of want to paint my own picture. I wanted to create my own story and have something that people can remember me as as Mike Loop. I don't want to be remembered as the kid that worked for the family business. Right. I want to be remembered for my own things, my own accolades, and my own results. And that's when I sat down and I was like, all right, like, let's come up with a name. 
And that's where we came up with the name Kodu. And obviously this sector is Kodu marketing. So we focus on all marketing, digital marketing, advertising, all sorts of stuff. Uh, from there, it continued to progress. We got the we got the LLC all done for it. We got all the packages done, and that's it. From there, it was history. So you have an LLC or an S-Corp? So we have an S-Corp, but the problem is when you tell people S-Corp, a lot of people don't realize what that is. Right. Now, LLC and S-Corp, they're similar. The only difference between the two are the tax brackets that you have to deal with in the end of the year. So LLC, you're being taxed on pretty much your own, uh, the income of the company. Now, S-Corp, what you're getting taxed on is the salary of the CEO. So you could get all the money you want. You can make a million dollars, but you're only getting taxed on what the CEO is getting paid. So let's say you pay the CEO, quote unquote, 45000 50000 then you're only getting taxed out of that 45000 50000 instead of getting taxed out of the hundred, two hundred thousand that you generated. Right. So it pretty much keeps all the money into the business. Correct. It, yeah, that's the thing. It all has to be on the business account and it all has to be under the business name. Nice. So it's not going to go under your own name, but I mean, if it's your own business, you have access to all that money. Yeah, you can course. do what you want to it. And technically, if you're really running business correctly, you would want more, all of your money into the business mm -hmm. yeah. because that's kind of like what you're investing in towards mm -hmm. the long term. Exactly. So you, you would want to lose as much little money into that as possible. Yeah, you want to just keep on dumping it, dumping it, dumping it and letting it grow. That's, right. that's it. That's all you want to do. Yeah, you mentioned before that um, you had a really good point, actually. You said that a lot of people don't know what a S-Corp is, mm -hmm. um, you know, um, compared to an LLC. Why do you think that? Why, why do you think that's... The, what, what, what's the reasoning behind people that they don't know what these basic business terms mean? Well, the thing with entrepreneurship is there's a lot of things that people don't know. And one, it's because of our school systems, the way they're set up. And two, it's just for people's goals. Uh, a lot of people, they don't need to know what an LLC is. They don't need to know any taxing brackets or they don't need to understand any of that. And when it comes to it, when you start your own business, all the stuff that you're learning is things that you didn't learn in school. You could take a business class and yeah, you could learn key terms, but you're never going to learn how to run a business. You're never going to learn how to structurally keep something. Yeah, they'll teach you how to use Excel or they'll teach you how to use these programs. But in the end of the road, you're the one who has to tell people what to do. And school doesn't teach you that. That's something that I started to realize and it started putting a negative annotation to me in my head uh, in terms of school. I was never a school kid. I was always terrible academically. You could say in grades, I was like a solid 78 to 80 average student. So not the best, but not the worst. Um, mainly I was an athlete and I always wanted to own my own business. My whole life I wanted to open my own business and be the one, like be the one in charge. And the one thing that people just don't realize is that school teaches you how to follow rules. You go to school, what's the first thing they do? Syllabus week. What's syllabus week? They tell you exactly what you're going to do, exactly how you do it, and what the penalties are if you don't do it. What happens when you go to a job? You have the first week, training yeah, week. Same thing. They teach you exactly what you're going to do. They tell you what happens if you don't follow the rules, and they tell you the penalties. Then after the first week of work or the, fees, the first week of school, what happens? You start going into the classes, you start going to work, and you're doing a 9-to-5 job, or you're going to class three hours a day, two hours a day. But if you're going to school, chances are you're taking multiple classes in a day. And a lot of people are doing that nine to, nine to five just by school itself. They're doing the same hours as they would do with a nine to five, but they're putting that into the school system. Um, it's cool because being an entrepreneur isn't for everyone. It comes with a lot of stress, comes with a lot of non, I guess you could say sleepless nights. And it's... Just not for everybody. But if you want to do it, anything is possible. If you just put your head down and focus and study 
exactly what you want to do in terms of out of school. You could take all these programs. You could do a lot of research online. And honestly, we have computers on our phone. Like our phone is a whole database. You can access whatever you want, any information, any article. You can get it on your phone and learn on your phone. So realistically, a degree isn't necessary anymore. You can learn everything about a podcast online. The school school is going to teach you the basics. How to adjust the volume, how to fade in, how to fade out. Yeah, like not even, I don't even like think that. like, I don't even think podcasting would even be like, well, it's not a class now because I'm currently mm-hmm. in school, but I don't even think it would be even worth going to class to do a podcast. Mm-hmm. Like for what? Like, yeah, like the technical stuff, sure, but like everyone has different equipment. Everyone's mm-hmm. mic sound different. Everyone has like a different subject. Exactly. And plus the only way you really learn how to do a podcast or like you said before, going to a business is actually going through, you know, going through the struggle mm-hmm. and you know, going through the trials and tribulations of starting whatever that business or that um type of venture is. You know, no, no one mm-hmm. could teach, no one could, you can't baby step these types of processes. You just got to go straight deep into it. Yeah. It's, you, just, you know, you life's not go. like a video game. You got to yeah. actually go ahead and do it. It's funny. I actually saw a quote that uh, life is a single player game. Life is, and in terms of single player game, it's your options and, you choose exactly what's going to happen. So you want to go to school and you want to work your ass off and become a doctor, you could do it. You want to be a businessman and make millions, you could do it. You want to be a real estate agent, sell houses all your life, like you could do it. And in this life, you choose exactly what you want to do. So people complain like, oh, he's lucky that he has this or she's lucky because she no, does it's this. never luck. No, it's you do exactly what you want to do. Of course, some people might have the support that you don't have. But in the end of the day, if you want something accomplished and you want to actually go out there and do something, there's nothing stopping you. Yeah. You could walk out this room right now, tell everyone, yo, I'm leaving, I'm moving to Florida right now. Goodbye. Nope. Which yeah, a lot of people, are, well, not, well, I don't know about Florida, but like a lot of people do that, like yeah. going to California or even coming to New York, for example. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, mostly on the East Coast region or even on the West Coast, they just come to New York because this is where all the opportunity is, this is where all the money is at. You know, people do it every single second of the day. My mom is one of those people. She came here when she was 20 years old. She came overseas without telling her parents or anything. Uh, she just flew over here and boom, like got right to it. And now she's living the good life. Like she doesn't have to worry about things. And it's the same exact thing that we keep on repeating. It's literally you do what you want to do. Yeah. Like don't let anyone stop you. Don't let anyone's judgment stop you. You got to make yourself happy in the end of the day. Right. So for Kodu, you're based out of New York. Correct. But would you also want to open up any other offices in any other city? Um, right now, I just want to be based in New York. After New York, we might open up an uh, office maybe in Miami or somewhere in L.A. Um, nice. What we do is very, very hands-on, and it's very mobile. So I could go on a vacation and do whatever I'm doing in the office. I could do it over there. And that makes it really flexible so we could hire a whole team in a different location and have a we work that we could schedule meetings like once a week once a month and we can make those meetings happen so do we need an office no is it i guess cool to have an office yeah like we'd need a space that we could sit down where we could let the whole workflow happen and have everything occurring in the office rather yeah. than having a we work but it's also a huge expense at the end of the day which mm-hmm. a lot of people would you know low key <clears throat> Excuse me, they would low-key like to kind of get rid of that. Yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, it's an expense, that's for sure. But at the same time, it's something that you have to do. You have to make that disconnect right. from home. You can't work from home all the time. And when you do, you're going to wake up and you're going to go into your living room on your off day. And it's like, damn, like, I got to work. Like, right away, you're in that working mindset, yeah. which is good. But at the same time, you need to balance your life out. And Absolutely. 
that's one thing when I was working from home every single day, Monday through Sunday, it was work, 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 work. Just like my mind was just wired to it. I was fixing. Yeah, because you're it. used to it. Yeah. Even if you want, you know, take your mind off of things, mm-hmm. you see a laptop right there. You see papers right there. You're mm-hmm. like, all right, you know what? I'm already here. Exactly. I might as well do something. Yeah. Uh, now that I have an office, like Monday through Friday is just straight grind. Saturday, usually like in the morning time, we knock some stuff out. But Sunday is just straight forget about it. Like leave my phone off. I don't touch anything. Like yeah, just relax. Sunday, that's the main day that. I personally like it. My whole life I've been raised. You work Monday through Saturday and Sunday is like family day. Like you relax, you let the, all the stress from the week just chill out. So for me, that's my big relax day Sunday. That's okay. don't bother me. Don't talk to me. Like leave me alone. That's it. Right. And this whole thing with WeWork is crazy because, you know, let's say people, you know, kind of want to work from like, you know, like from like separate areas and mm-hmm. just work everything on social media for the most part, which is, you know, as you said, extremely possible. Mm-hmm. But they still want to kind of have like, you know, like a portable or like a rented out HQ that everyone just comes together and like, you know, kind of like discusses ideas, you know, numbers, analytics and everything. We work is kind of there to like, you know, kind of kind of do that. Yeah. I mean, one of my friends, Marta, she actually just got a WeWork. Uh, she got a hotspot. Uh, no, it's called a hot desk, I think. And pretty much you have access to anything in the building. You have access to the gym. You have an access to all the food. You have an access to the bottomless wine, beer, rosé, oh, everything. Nice. Everything. So you could go in there and get trashed out of your mind. But yeah. um, the only thing that she doesn't have is her private office. Let's say okay. she has a client walk in, though. She can rent out an office. She just has to tell the front desk, and they reserve that space for her. So nice. it's cool. It's pretty much like you're paying for the private office for half the price, but you're only using the office when you need it. Right, it's not yours, but mm. it, there's a lot of perks with it. Yeah, as a well. lot of perks. You get free lunch, you get free coffee, yeah. everything. Everything's in, everything's included already. Yeah, going back to being customizable, like you said before, that sounds very tailored out and very customizable mm-hmm. and very simple for maybe younger, um, you know, like people like yourself that are younger entrepreneurs, younger business people that, mm-hmm. you know, maybe either don't have the funds for a big-time office, especially, like, in New York or Miami or L.A., mm-hmm. but also kind of want to have, like, that type of atmosphere where they could bring, you know, pe- employees or clients in, make it look professional, and, you mm-hmm. know, still have a good time and, you know, get the most out of their day. For sure, 100%. And it's something that, like we brought up before, it separates your daily life and your work life. So wherever you go, you go there, and you know that it's time to work. Like, it's time right. to put in the hours. It's time to grind. But... Being home, there's times that you relax, you lay down, you just get cozy on your couch, and that's something that you need to be able to separate. You have to. That's, yeah, yeah it's just a necessity. Like you, When running a business or doing any type of business in general, you have to find the balance between your work life and your social life and just relax. Right. It's, it's key. All right, so the entrep- being an entrepreneur is often portrayed as, you know, being glamorous. You know, like in movies, we always see it, like on social media, the entrepreneur life, you know, seems trendy, edgy, mm-hmm. cool, and all that. So many people don't like school. But what is the reality, from your point of view, of the Oof. entrepreneurial life? Reality of entrepreneurial life is one word, and that's sleepless. You don't sleep. Uh, every every second of the day, you're thinking, like, I got to do this, I got to do that. Ooh, I got another idea. I got this, this, this. It's constant, constant flow of energy, momentum, and focus. And yeah. that's why I said before, to some people, some people can't do this. Some people, they break down under the stress. There's nights that it will be 3 in the morning, and I'm still up setting stuff up for a client for the next day. Or working on a site, or working on my own personal website. and Or maybe still thinking about ideas. Exactly. There's been times that I'm up at five in the morning 
and just jotting down ideas. Get a cup of coffee, you sit there, have the office playing, and if I have an idea, boom, jot it down. Right. Always. Um, even last night, like last night, I'm sitting there watching The Office, and right away I got an idea. I got my journal, jotted it down in the journal, closed the journal, put it away. And it's something that you have to do because the 9 to 5, you work, and then once you're out, you're out. On to the next day. No big deal. That's it. Yeah. But being an entrepreneur, you constantly have to evolve your business. You constantly have to make your business better. You constantly have to think about the future of your business, and you can't treat it like a nine to five. You can't say, okay, one more hour and I'm out. Like, no, there's times nah, like there's you'll no, be here yeah. all day. Like, right. Yeah. It's a lot of those days and the whole entrepreneur life being portrayed as this glamorous vision. Of course there's glamorous perks. You get to adjust your schedule to whatever you want. You work your own hours. You do whatever, what technically you do whatever you want. But in the end of the day, you got to get work done. If you don't yeah. get work done, then you're What's losing money. Happen? Yeah. And that's the big thing. We, you lose money. That's why bosses get so tight when you're not doing your work. Because yeah, they're, they're the losing money at the end of the day. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, nothing happens to employees in a in a bigger scope if they you know if they mess mm -hmm. up or if they're not doing anything. It's more of like the you know, the owners or the mm -hmm. bosses or CEO's responsibility to mm -hmm. make sure that everything's kinda like getting in check for the most mm -hmm. part. Yeah, running smoothly and all that. That's that's the key. That's the key of being an entrepreneur is you have to find the workflow, find who you work with best, and then start implementing them into the system and teach people the system. And then that's when you could take a seat back. Right. But until then, like you, everything's just grind, grind, grind. All right. So you, you mentioned a lot that you work, that you work, you know, nonstop with so many clients. What are some big name clients that you've worked for that you're um, really excited about working with? So we did a content creation package with uh, Land Rover. That was actually pretty dope. Nice. We went out to Jersey. We took out three Land Rovers that they only made 20 of them in the country. And those three of them were in that one uh, location. Oh, so nice. we took them to a bunch of spots. We did a, a big, big, big content package for them. Uh, another one was Perrier. We did a whole ad campaign for them. And one of my favorite clients to work with is this company Timex. So what we do for them is the same exact thing. We create them content and we create the marketing templates so that they can implement it on their campaigns. And it's something that they were very, very happy with. And they kept reaching out to us to keep it, uh, keep it going, keep the ball rolling. And they were really thankful for us. And something that made me feel real good is when they actually reached out to me and said, thank you so much. Blah, blah, blah. You're a big reason for the success for this campaign. And we couldn't thank you enough. And seeing that puts all those hours of no sleep and all those hours of constantly being behind the computer, constantly being behind your phone and just all the work time, it puts that into a perspective to where it's like, wow, like this, this is all worth this it. is all what it's going for. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, Timex time is a pretty big company too. You know, I'm yeah, pretty sure yeah. a lot of people have heard of that company. Mm -hmm. Other than the fact that they're also very they're an international company as well, yeah, right? They're all over the world. All over. Yeah. They have like a Timex, uh Timex Mexico, they have a Timex uh, UK, like Crazy. they're literally all over the The one place. that you worked with, was it any specific um country or region that you worked for? Yeah, exactly? the one we worked on was actually in the UK. So Okay, nice. Yeah, the products that they sent me were the UK version. So the US didn't get that version. Uh the US got a whole different one. Oh, nice. So you're the, the first version. Right. So you're kinda yeah. like one of the first ones to get the UK version. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty cool. And they posted the videos that we made for them also on their UK platforms. Right. So it was pretty cool. It was it was like a humbling moment. It's like, wow, like that's what I'm working for and it's things are getting accomplished. So that's pretty cool. Right. So with these international companies, has that opened you more to um or has or has that given you more of an opportunity to travel? 
traveling wise has it opened doors yes i get offered a lot to travel to different locations and do shoots where have um, you been offered to travel to so i actually in april i'm going out to argentina i'm doing something for a hotel company out there oh nice um in estonia i got actually something to do out there once i was out there i reached out to a client we did a whole photo shoot for them so it was pretty cool um other than that it's just a lot of places are constantly it's very, very movable. So a company will be like, hey, we want to do a photo shoot. We want to keep it very beachy vibes. Okay. Now, if they have a budget, they don't have to spend that whole budget on getting me to a beach location because I could go to the beach here in New York in the summertime. Right. I can go to a studio and pretty much maneuver my way around the location and create something with that vibe. So traveling-wise, a lot of locations in the States, um, out of the country, uh, not as much, and not as much as I'd want it to be. But the reason right. for that is because budget companies, they want to save some money. They don't want to spend thousands and thousands on tickets. This is this. Right. They could send you the product and have you do all that work from exactly where you're based out of. Then they'd love to do that. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. I feel like no matter how much we talk about your business, it kind of always comes back to comfort mm-hmm. and to kind of, you know, like custom made business and custom made packaging. Mm-hmm. So I feel like because um, let's just let's just take on um, like business meetings, for example, like not even 10 years ago, let's say 15, 20 years ago, you know how much of a hassle must have been for people to have like a meeting all together from like different branches, different offices, or even different countries? Yeah. That was, you know, hours of, you know, preparing hotels and preparing, you know, um, flights and accommodations. Can this person make it? Can that person make it? This person can't fly because of A, B, and C, whatever, whatever. Then like these companies like Skype come in and now that just you know, that whole mm. problem was just erased. Now everyone yeah. can just kind of like talk to each other through an intercom or through, you know, face-to-face, you know, like there's ways to show, you know, analytics and these charts and pictures, you know, like right like on a live screen, no matter where you're at, whether it's in New York to China or, you know, LA or like South America or whatever. And now with this too, it's kind of like before, let's say like marketers wanted to really work with companies and take pictures you had to send a photographer, a videographer, so many different types of people out to the, you know, to hotels, make sure they're okay, you know, spend potentially tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars on this. Now they can just send out your products, take pictures and save me. I would probably say about maybe like 80% of the cost for yeah. like maybe like from about 15 compared to what it would have been, you know, expected to pay for like 10, mm. 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, because nowadays... It's with Photoshop and all these other companies that are creating all these softwares, editing softwares. It's so easy to be able to manipulate something and make it look like it's somewhere else. Now, so kind of like company, Photoshop. Yeah, if the company has the budget, obviously, to send you to let's say Puerto Rico or wherever they want to send you to get that style footage, they'll do it. But if it's not in the budget, then obviously you have to lower the the standards and you have to create it in a different way. So, like I've done shoots here in the city to where. It was marketed as if it was in California. Meanwhile, yeah. it was here in New York. All it was, it was just simple clothing. It was down some side streets. Um, but then also, we've done some shoots for clients that want to be seen in New York. So they'll send over some stuff, and we'll do the shoots for them. And it's all based in New York, and they love that. New York is a big, big uh, icon when it comes to businesses. So right. for them to have their content made in New York, to them, it's like, oh, my God, New York. Huge. We love it. Yeah. Do you find, is it a big blessing, you know, starting a company in New York City compared to maybe starting from like a smaller town, even maybe like another city completely? Yeah, for sure. Because the fact that I could tell companies that I'm from New York and we have an office based in New York, 
right away that sets the standard high. Like right away they're like, wow, like they must do some crazy work if they're based in New York. They have to be making some money to be able to live in New York because right. New York isn't affordable for a lot of people. Like nope. there's a lot of people around the world. They have amazing jobs, but they still wouldn't be able to yeah. afford. No, it's not even affordable New for New Yorkers to a certain extent. Even like. Even grocery shopping, you go to Texas or whatever, you're not spending $200 on groceries. You're not spending $300 on groceries. Over here, you have milk. A gallon of milk is like $5. You go anywhere else, it's like $1.60, $2. Like prices are completely different. Um, that's where I like the term. Like If you can make it in New York, you can make it, you can make it anywhere. Right. So it's cool. It's Is the fact that you live in, that your office is based in New York, does that um, kind of reflect on like the price for packaging in a sense or not really? It does because it's pretty much marketed to the demographic, well, pricing demographic of New York businesses. Okay. So I wouldn't be able to promote it to businesses overseas because they wouldn't be able to afford that. Something that a company is making here, businesses overseas are not even touching. Right. Like a mom and pop shop might be generating, let's say like 1.2 million a year. There's some shops out there that don't even generate 10,000 a year, 20,000 a year. Yeah. Like, the whole price bracket thing is different. Now, if a company reaches out to me and they give us a budget, we'll try and work with them, but not to the sense where we're losing money. Like, that's the main thing. We need to see profits as well. So we can't pull it down to a number that's unfeasible for us. Um, and would I like to help out businesses that are in need and businesses that can't afford it? Yes. But if it's pushing me to a level where I'm losing money and I'm losing hours throughout the day just to try and keep you guys running, like, it's not, not worth it. it. Yeah. Not worth it. So it's kind of like a, you help me help, you know, help uh, you help me help you type of thing. Exactly. Yeah. It's like a one hand wash the other mm -hmm. type of issue. That's the main thing. Yeah. yeah. Is it tough sometimes to kind of like come up with, you know, maybe like one one client, like a mom and pop shop, and then the other one's a Timex. That's like a whole different, bigger type of company. Is it tough? To, is it tough sometimes to maybe, you know, kind of like differentiate and kind of like create custom packages and like just make different game plans for all these companies? Yeah, because there's times that you want to get greedy. And let's say if like Nike reaches out to me, obviously, you know that they have a budget for a lot more yeah. than a mom and pop sneaker store over here in New York. But in a sense, in the whole business area, you can't get greedy with that. You can't say, oh, I'm going to charge you $200,000. You can, but if they say no, like we're not interested, you can't get that's mad it, about you that. lost them. Yeah. That's it. They're never coming back to you again. They're never reaching out to you again. That's it. The, that connection is gone. But instead of being greedy and charging them the same as you would charge someone else or maybe a little bit more just because you know the budget is higher, then that's when they'll probably want to work with you and then they'll keep on coming to you. And then that's when they become a client. So sometimes, of course, you want to make as much money as possible, but making that big bulk shot and then not having that client come back again compared to giving them a good number that they could afford and have them coming back and back and back and back. Sometimes that giving them the number that they could afford, of course, it's not pretty at first, the number, but in a, I guess like an over a span of a year or two years, you're making 12 months of that compared to that one shoot that you would do only for that one time, just because you gave them a number that was too, I guess, too big for them to handle. Right. And that's a lot of people don't realize that. Like, it's sad to say, I know someone who's actually in the field, I'm not going to throw any names out there. But he charges people like 5000 for a video. Meanwhile, one, his equipment's not all that. Uh, on top of that, his editing skills aren't amazing. They're not the best. And you can just tell that he's ripping off the clients that he's pitching it to. Would I ever throw anyone under the bus? No. Would I ever reach out to those clients and say, listen, we would do this for 
a quarter of the price? No. But seeing that, I tried guiding him the right way. And I'm like, listen, all you're doing is ripping these people off. All it takes is that one person to walk into the door and say, listen, I could do this for cheaper and I could do it for better. It could be you potentially. Yeah. And would I ever step on like a friend's toes and do that? Like take his clients? No. Um, but would someone else that doesn't know him? Of course. Yeah. yeah. That's just kind of how it works. Mm-hmm. And that's something that he doesn't realize. He didn't real to this day. He doesn't realize that sometimes it's not about giving the highest invoice so that the person has to deal with this huge, huge check in the end of the month. And they're like, Oh my God, we got to write yeah, this Cause out. now they're not going to be happy with the work yeah, anyways. Exactly. And the fact that they just spent all this money on it, they're not going to be wanting to come, uh, to come back. Now, let's say if your numbers were a little bit lower and a little bit more comfortable for the business, then they'd probably say, okay, like the work was okay, but we'll reach out to you. Now, with us, the main thing what we like to do is we like to be super upscale with our work, super professional with our work, and from there, give it an affordable price. Give it a fair price, at at least. Yeah, like it's not going to be cheap. Don't get me wrong. It's not going to be something where you're going to walk in and get something. But it shouldn't be, though. Nothing nothing cheap in this world is Mm -hmm. even worth going into. Yeah, you want something. You want something high quality. You're going to pay for high quality. You pay for what you get. Exactly. That's the main thing that I like to preach. So but when, it's kind of like on both, but like on both ends, the bargains being met. Like you guys, you know, are charging good. Like you know, you, you guys are charging fair, but it's high quality work. Mm-hmm. On the other end, the customer, you know, has to you know be willing to work with you, see so your vision, pay you guys. And on their end, they're gonna be happy as well because everyone's gonna be, again, everyone's gonna be happy mm-hmm. for sure. Because everyone's because everyone's doing what they're supposed what they're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And that's the one thing that people need to realize is that. Of course, what you're doing is for the benefit of the business. So you got to realize you need to make it affordable for them so that they can be able to pay this every month or pay this once a year, whatever you want to work with them. And they got to be able to put it up front. But if you give them a number that isn't realistic for them, they'll try it out for the first time. But after that, they're going to someone cheaper. So that's why if you put these crazy numbers, 50,000, 60,000, you'll get one client a year. Yeah, is that good? Of course. But now let's say you get 20 clients and you're bringing in $20,000 a a month. That number changes drastically. And plus, I don't think people realize that like word of mouth is, even in this age of social media, word of mouth is such a crazy tool and such a a great asset to have. Because now now let's say you you charge that one person $20,000 instead of Mm. $50,000, but they're really happy to work. Don't tell their other friends or somebody else or, you know, write a good review or they'll be willing to vouch for you. And potentially that'll, you know, put you in a position where you can get bigger jobs. You can get bigger opportunities where, you know, like there's more of an opportunity to charge more because there's more opportunity. There's more of like a more leverage there for you to grow as a business. For sure. So I think, you know, like you trade off being greedy and being kind of like a, like a scumbag, sleazy salesman for a minute mm. and realize that everyone is kind of like still trying to hustle. You don't lowball nobody. Like you don't allow yourself to be lowballed either because, you know, that, that wouldn't be smart as well. Mm. But at the same time, just realize that, you know, you do good to others, they will do good to you. And that all those favors, well, not favors, I would say, but like all, the, all that goodwill and that all that good business will come back you know, and kind of triple itself out. Yeah, and that's where the long-term effect comes. You don't want to be working with someone for one week, two weeks, two months, three months. Me, what I want to do is I want to build business relationships to where we're sticking this out till the end. Like, we're right. old in wheelchairs. Like, oh, remember when we first got you signed, guys? Yeah, oh, like, true. Met, like, that's great. Being able to talk to a client and seeing the growth that you guys went through, it's it's definitely something that's very important. Because not only do you see the growth and not only are you a part of that growth, but 
they see all the time that's been put in. And rather than going to another guy just because someone gave you the a better price, they're going to see that and they're going to be like, no, like I've stuck through this. Like I'm sticking through it. Right. That's that's just like have like a lifetime guarantee. Yeah. With somebody. Mm-hmm. That's exactly how it is. And that's, that's, exactly how it and that's be. great because, you know, you can make more business decisions off of that. Mm-hmm. And it's great. It's well, honestly, it sounds great on multiple ends because for one, you know that you're impacting somebody's family in a positive manner for the rest mm-hmm. of their lives to the point where like they're making more money. They're happy. They respect what you do as a professional and as an artist. Cause what you do is really like an art to be honest, yeah. like taking pictures, videos and managing that to the point where like millions of people see it and like it. Mm-hmm. That's not an easy thing to do. It's not like, you know, you're just taking a picture of like an attractive person. And everyone just likes it. That's not mm-hmm. the thing. Like, like you have people buying, you have total strangers buying into a process or a product or a store or, you know, whatever the case it is whatever business it is. For sure. You know, that sounds amazing. And on the other side too, it's just, you know, you have like, you have that steady stream of income. You can rely on that person. All right, like this person, we've been doing business for years. I could, you know, maybe buy a house off this or I could like open up the office off of this. So again, it just sounds like on both sides, you know, that's how business should be done for mm-hmm. the most part. Without a doubt. And that's something that a lot of businesses need to do. And that's where our marketing company comes in. Not only do we offer these services, content creation, digital marketing, but what we also do is give you marketing templates. So it teaches you about customer service. It teaches you about making the customer come first. Like it's, it depends on how p- happy you make people. If you don't make people happy, people won't come back to you. Yeah. And that, that's both on the social media end and that's both in person with your actual business. You go on a page and he DMs you, cursing you out. You're never going on this page again. Never. You're forgetting about it. Nope. But let's say a random page comments on your picture. Love this picture. What are you going to do? That 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 uh, that name is going to stick to your head, and you're right. going to constantly just randomly check up on them. It's not on purpose. It's not like, oh, what are they doing? What's it? But just curiosity, like, oh, what are they doing? Click, like done. And right. That's something that people need to start working on. And that's something that. People need to start realizing is a big, big factor when it comes to social media itself as a whole. Right. Because social media, for the most part, has generated a lot of, you know, negative attributes. Like people get, you know, like online bullied and there's a lot of, you know, um, low self-esteem because of social media. But I actually think social media, as much as it does that, you know, those negative types of aspects, social media could also be a place where people, you know, actually come together, you know, completions and just come together and support one another mm-hmm. more than let's say a person is getting support from like, you know, people from their, from their neighborhood, from their block or whatever, because sometimes it'll, it's funny sometimes. Well, actually most of the time that a lot of people get more support, maybe overseas or on social media from complete strangers that just respect the art more than people in person, mm-hmm. which is kind of like this weird disconnect that now we're, is a huge reality for a lot of people. So has, is, has that happened to you for the most part? Do you feel like you get more support? Maybe not all the time, but more for the most part from social media than maybe some people in your life? Uh, support from people in my life compared to, I'd say I get most of my support from business owners. Right. Uh, because once I do the work with them, like they see what we're doing, they see what we're changing through their business, and they love to see that. So that's where they give the gratitude and they give the congratulations pretty much to me. But when it comes to people in my personal life, there's times that I feel that it's almost pushed to the side because obviously what do people see? People see the picture, people see me going to the photo shoot or whatever it is. And that's all they see. They don't see the hours behind it. They don't see the thinking, the brain knowledge and creating the templates, creating the marketing strategy to start implementing throughout the month. People don't see that. 
He's and just taking pictures and going home posting them. Yeah, that's, that's all exactly they what they think. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people think it's easy. Meanwhile, you put someone else in my shoes, there's no way that they'd be able to manage it. Of course, some people would, but majority of people out there, the stress overload would be something that people can't compete. Like, they yeah. wouldn't be able to suffice to it. Um, and does it hurt sometimes? Yeah, because obviously the close ones and your loved ones are the ones that you'd want to support you. But at the same time, you can't let that affect your life. You can't just because someone's not supporting you doesn't mean that you should be that you shouldn't be putting 110 percent into what you're doing. And I personally hate that excuse of when people are like, oh, but like I don't have support or, oh, I don't like my mom and dad aren't throwing money in. or If you like we talked about before, if you want something and you want something to blossom and blow up, you just got to do it. Stop listening to what other people are saying. Stop listening to everyone else's opinion that's being pushed onto it and just do it. Oh, everyone around you saying, oh, I think it's a dumb idea or everyone's saying you'll never do anything or you'll never amount to anything doing this. It's like, all right, like, that's what you think. Like, we'll see what happens right. in the well, next 10 one years. Pe- one person's opinion or even 100 people's opinion shouldn't really mm-hmm. amount to or equate to exactly what you think mm-hmm. is gonna you're going to get out of this lifetime. And that's the thing that people don't realize. People look at it and once their closest friend Sally says, oh, like, I don't know, this is a bad idea. Right away, they're heartbroken, and that's it. They never chase the dream. And what happens if they said, oh, like, I'll take it what you said into consideration, but I'm going to keep on doing it. And then all of a sudden, that blew up. Would yeah. you ever know? No. You, would, you, you wouldn't know. It. Exactly. So that's one thing that people need to stop doing is stop listening to other people's judgment. Stop listening to everyone else's opinion. Because at the end of the day, this is your life. And you got to do what you want. Stop listening to other people telling you what to do and what not to do. And instead... There's times that you just got to be selfish and it's like, all right, like I'm doing what I want to do. I came up with this idea. I came up with this journey and I'm going to go through with it. I'm a big advocate for that type of stuff. Like when I hear people saying, oh, like I quit my job. I did this. I did this. And now I'm super successful. I love that. Yeah. Once I hear that, it's like, yo, like I know exactly what they went through. I know exactly what they did because it's stressful leaving a, a solid nine to five job where you're constantly getting money and you're constantly getting that check like, yeah it's it's safe and you, you get to coming. you get to make decisions based on that stream of income whether it's a lot of money or not you can still you know make okay i could at least pay rent with this yeah. buy food do this like you know it's kind of like a comfort zone because you know mm-hmm. exactly what's going on when you leave that comfort zone you're kind of like throwing rents at a fire like you don't yeah. know what the hell's gonna happen mm-hmm. you don't know whether you're gonna be able to pay rent you don't know whether you're gonna be able to like eat or stuff like that it's just you know crazy but That's i feel like, but i feel like that kind of leap of faith it does pay off if you kind of, you know, if you put the work in and mm-hmm. you just believe in yourself and actually go out and do it. It's the leap of faith. And at the same time, it's the whole mindset of sink or swim. Like you right. go out there. If you drown, okay, like no problem. You took the L, take it on the chin and just go back to your nine to five or start a new plan and go for it. Yeah. But if you swim, the only way you'll find out is if you actually make that leap. That's yeah. the thing that people don't realize. People think that it's 100% guaranteed. No. Like, once you make that jump, you still got to work your ass off. You got to put the time in, put the work in, and put the whole mindset in as well. Right. Yeah. Th- you know what? Gary V always talks about kind of like losing, but as a good thing. Mm-hmm. Like kind of like the more losses you take, it's not a problem. Like life is just losing that people should embrace losing and get used to the fact that you're going to take loss after loss after loss. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes that's just kind of like... That real that that ass whooping like that you really need in life to really like you know learn, you know learn how to kind of survive and how to keep on going. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's very important for people. That people are very are very scared of failure, 
And but even though they're scared of failure, they don't even understand that failure is going to happen, whether they love it or hate it, whether they're scared out of it. You know, it's just it's inevitable. Mm-hmm. Everyone fails at some point. You know, valedictorians that you know have you know four in every class, they're going to fail. Mm-hmm. It might not be even like school, but it might be in life. It might be in like in at, the, at that perfect job they were you know promised or whatever. Like everyone just always just kind of like goes through it in a certain sense. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like how you decide to tackle it and keep yeah. on moving forward. And that's the thing when you move forward and when you learn from your learn from your failures and you learn from things that didn't work out, what you build for the future is that you'll never do those little habits again. So right. anything that didn't work and anything that didn't click, that's fine. Like take that, learn from it and move on. Don't sit there and don't complain and like yeah, keep this that didn't happen and all yeah, that. No, yeah. you can't. You and it's just, the good old days type yeah, of thing. You got to move on to the next thing, and that's it. That's literally what you have to do. Just close your eyes and just on to the next thing. That's right. It. Um, but that you could also um, make that type of adjustment even when you're doing well. So do you like? Let's take you personally. Do you ever feel like sometimes that uh, you get kind of like a high off of let's say, oh, I did a Timex, I'm lit, or oh, I did I did a Rolls. Uh, I'm sorry, not a Rolls Royce. Um, hopefully a Rolls Royce type mm-hmm. of thing soon, but like a uh, Range Rover type of deal and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Do you ever feel that you have to kind of like humble yourself sometimes and maybe like limit how excited you get because it's kind of, all right, this is a business. This is huge, but I still got to keep going for other clients and still, I still got to find more clients and kind of keep pushing forward. Yeah. So for me, uh, the whole humbling moment comes towards the end of the month. So it let's say it's the middle of the month and I just locked in a client, whatever. I'm still in work mode and I'm just focusing on that. So I don't let the happiness and the celebration kick in yet. But once it's the end of the month, the paycheck came in, everything's rolling and it's on, it's still set for the next month and everything's going great. That's when I kind of take a seat back and I'm like, holy shit, like I'm really doing this. Like this is really happening. Right. Because it's one thing to do something once, but if you could do it on a consistent basis and you could keep on doing it and keep bringing that same client in or whatever it is, uh, it's, there's a different, there's a different feeling to it. That's like you going out, playing a baseball game, hitting a home run once. Okay, it's going to feel great. But if you sit down and say, okay, how did I do that and how can I do it again? And then next game you hit another home run. And then the game after that you hit a home run again. Then all of a sudden it becomes consistent. It's like, yo, like I'm doing this. Like this is dope. And that's one thing that I like to focus on. So let's say a client gets signed onto the contract. Yeah, it's happy. Like I celebrate. Like I get excited. But not to the sense where I'm going to sit back and relax. Like I, I push on that client and I focus on that client and then come to the end of the month when they resign and then they sign a longer extension to a lease or whatever it is, a contract. Then that's when I'm like, all right, like this is, this is super dope. Like this is what I've been working for. And now I could sit back and look at it for a second and have like a day to where I just relax and I'm happy about it and I just celebrate. So it comes not often but it comes i would say like once a month that sit back relax and just enjoy what i built right is that really hard for you sometimes to sit back and relax and kind of like marvel at what you do and appreciate what you do yeah because my grandpa like embedded the mindset of constantly keep working and don't stop because when you stop someone else is working their ass off to get past you when you sit back and you're looking and you're like, wow, like this is awesome. Now it's time for me to go take a vacation. When you do that, the next day you could have walked on the street and you could have walked past somebody and that could have been your next client. So you could have added on to your empire. 
Um, so ever since I was little, he always embedded that mindset of when you're not here, there's still work going on. When you're home relaxing and you're on vacation sleeping, like people are still working and life continues. It's never going to stop for you. So the more you want, obviously the more time and the more effort you got to put into it. Of course, he said you need to sit back and relax. Sometimes you do need to be able to look at life and see what you created. Yeah. But he said you constantly have to have that edge going and constantly have that mentality going. And my grandpa's a super successful man, and that's someone that I look up to in the business world aspect. What does he do exactly? So he's a real estate. Uh, he's big into real estate investing. And aside real estate investing, he owns a lot of properties, which are like gas stations and detail centers. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's a great business to get into. Yeah. So he's been working his ass off since he was 16 years old. Uh, he told me when he was younger, he would work like 16, 17 hour shifts. And the thing that made that mindset of constantly keep working, his boss at the time, they used to close shop. He used to work at a mechanic shop when he was younger. And they would close down, whether it's 8 o'clock, 7 o'clock, whatever time they closed, they closed. But he would tell my grandpa, listen, I'm closing up shop, but if you want to stay open and whatever customers you get in, put that money right in your pocket. I don't want it. Like, that's your money. Oh, wow. So it was pretty much you're working for me. You're still getting paid. But in the end of the day, if you want to stay here and work your ass off, go for it. Make your own money. Like, keep making more money. And he said his whole life, literally Monday through Sunday, 16 hours, 17 hours, there would be times that That's he'd crazy. go home, he'd bring a pie of pizza just for the family while everyone's sleeping, and then he'd go right back out. He would take like an hour nap in the office, like wake up, take a shot of coffee, like espresso, and then get right back to work. Crazy. Yeah, he's uh, he's wild. Like still to this day, he's 75, 76 years old, and Monday still through Sunday, every single day. Every single day he goes in there for at least nine hours, 10 hours. Crazy. 24-7. Christmas Day, while everyone's sitting back relaxing, he'll come in just because he just finished working all day long. Yeah. And, yeah, now, obviously, he's older. He's not doing the labor. Now he's doing the management. He's, like, right. sitting back. He's, he's just kind of, like, yeah. looking. He's just making sure everyone's on their shit, doing mm -hmm. what they have to do. Exactly. But seeing that grind and seeing that, uh, I guess, intensity of work, of course, you need to find the balance, like we mentioned before. Yeah, because a, a lot of people can't do that. Mm -hmm. Like, your grandpa's one of them, like, is one of um that type of generation you yeah. know you know unfortunately they're getting older mm -hmm. and they're starting to you know out, like you know like slow down yeah. and pass away and all that so i feel like within like this new, new generation you know especially with the whole self-care and mental health type of conversation mm -hmm. those type of you know that type of business mindset or vision might fade off so it's going to be kind of like a lost art mm -hmm. well not like a lost hustle in a sense yeah i give him a lot of credit for that but yeah, but I feel like um I feel like with him though it's amazing because the amount of accountability he's had to show or expect of himself from sixteen years old is incredible. Because yeah. he could have easily, right, like after work just left, said, you know what, I, I'm done working, mm -hmm. whatever, let me just go home, chill out and all that. And his boss was cool in a sense, or the owner of the mechanic shop was cool because that would never happen nowadays. No. N nowadays, you know, no owner, no matter if they had a great relationship with, like, an employee or somebody, especially someone like 16, 17, 18 years old, and say, hey, listen, open my business up longer, mm -hmm. use up my resources longer, but keep the money. Yeah. Like, that would never happen. Never. And I, and I feel like he kind of, like, I feel like even back then, that was never even, like, a, a big social norm. Mm -hmm. So for him just to kind of, you know, sit back and say, hey, wow, like, this is a great opportunity. I don't think a lot of 
I don't think a lot of people, even in a hundred years, would even offer this on a regular basis. Let me hold myself accountable and just, you know, just work and let's just see where this goes. And that's the crazy thing is that he took the opportunity that was given and he made the most of it rather than say like, yeah, I'll work two extra days or I'll stay extra on a Friday or a Saturday only. Like, no, he did it every single day. Of course, there were times that he would relax and take a day off, but majority of his life was literally spent working and grinding and grinding and grinding, putting the time in. Yeah. Just going, at, just going after it. Mm-hmm. And it's that chase. It's almost, I guess, that high that you chase of success and being able to accomplish something, accomplish your goals, or whether it's money, whether it's finish a job, or whether it's get a new client, whatever your goals are. Um, I feel when you find the art of how to accomplish it and you learn how you can do it, then there's two different people. There's the people that are going to accomplish a goal and then they're going to look back at it relax and then once that high wears off then they'll go and get another one then once the high wears off go and get another one that's perfectly fine but then you have the people that they're gonna go there they'll get a client and they're like no i need another one boom another one boom another one and then once they have five six clients while the other person's high is finally wearing off on just getting that one client you're sitting back and you're like wow like i just got five people locked in like now i could sit back and say holy shit like yeah, I there's, did more, this. there's more of a cushion there exactly you have five more people you know willing to kind of work with you mm-hmm. you're already busy for the whole week or the whole day or month yeah. or you know whatever the guaranteed whole, your whole schedule is mm-hmm. but i feel like it's just, like i feel like everyone's kind of like process a little different but i think as long as you keep yourself accountable for what you do and like you keep the vision strong i think you should be fine yeah Accountability is key. Once you get that down packed of holding yourself accountable and saying, like, I got to pay X, Y, Z, like, these are my dues that I got to pay for. Once you start realizing that and once you start doing it, then that's when it's like, okay, like, I still got to get shit done. And that's when you start realizing of things that you actually got to do throughout the day rather than taking that hour to go to sleep or whatever it is, go hang out, go drink, go do whatever. That's when you start realizing, like, okay, there's... 24 hours in the day, how can I use them to my advantage? That's exactly the right. way that you got to think about it. All right, so before I let you go real quick, what's next for Kodu? The next thing for Kodu is we're going to pretty much launch our shop, and our shop has a lot of business help, everything from setting up marketing templates to incorporating uh, – a lot of business strategies and giving people business cards, LLC subscriptions and creating packages and formats for people to work with. And whether you're an entrepreneur or you have a big uh, storefront shop, um, once that's done, uh, once the shop is done, we're going to start pushing the advertising a lot. We're going to start doing a lot of paid advertising. And from there, it's going to be just keep on building, building the business and hopefully expand from the office to like a floor and then from a floor to two floors, from two floors to a building. Like Long term. Nice. Yeah. Long term, have like a big building, one floor of just office people working. One floor is like a studio to create all the content that we're messing with. And then yeah. one store have like a whole tech support system. So kind of like a whole like campus or HQ where yeah. you can like kind of like go in make the magic happen mm. and then kind of just like dish out all the content and all of the products from there. Yeah, for sure. That's exactly what I'm looking forward to doing in the future. Yeah. It's a big goal, but if you don't shoot for the stars and you know, of course, yeah, yeah. you shoot for the stars, you land on the moon. That's not too bad, but not at all. that's, that's what you got to do. Just yeah. set your goals high and just go for it. That's it. That kind of sounds like, um, kind of like a byproduct of, let's say like an Apple, or like an Amazon where mm-hmm. like there, it went from like 
such a like a garage idea mm. or like very like a very customizable idea to now it's like a whole big they have a, offices everywhere stores everywhere campuses buildings you can only imagine like mm-hmm. they have just they take over so much real estate it's it's wild once you really start niching down and taking over the market it's the actual things that you could accomplish are endless so you just got to put your head down and just get to it that's the main thing that's it awesome awesome i think that's a great way to end off the interview all right, Mike, um, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. Honestly, that was a lot of great stuff, especially for, I think, a lot of people who are listening and kind of, like, want to know exactly what it takes mm. to be a big entrepreneur. I think this right here kind of, like, in an hour and 11 minutes kind of, like, puts it in a nutshell of yeah, what's expected a little bit. and all of that. Thank you for having me, bro. As a pleasure, it's always a pleasure, always. Uh, looking forward to doing more. No, absolutely not. Sure. We, we definitely gotta have you on more and for all sure, that. For sure. Um, definitely, if you like, if you guys liked this episode, we will definitely have more entrepreneurs. We're gonna have more digital media experts coming up really, really soon. I'm not gonna say exactly when, but just tune in. If you haven't seen all, um, if if you if you're more curious on more reup episodes, everything's on the Instagram page at reup NYC Radio on Instagram, and on a link in the bio, you will see a link to all the episodes on our SoundCloud. And we will also have everything on YouTube and Spotify coming up soon. I'm working on that. This is the Reup NYC Radio and Podcast. We appreciate you guys for tuning in. We'll see you guys later.